Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You've probably heard it said that a cat has nine lives. And some of you could probably tell some stories that might make you think that that's really true. But deep down, we all know that it's not true. That that biologically speaking, a cat only has one life, just like everything else. Everything else, that is, except for us. See, we don't just have one life. God has created us with lives, plural. We're different. We're different than every other human, and not every other human, every other creature. As humans, we have bodies, but we also have spirits. We all know what the bodily life looks like, right? That's everything that we think about, what it means to be alive. So it's our breathing, it's our thinking, it's our muscular activity. That's, that's all what it means to have this bodily life, and we all know how we got it. We, we were conceived, we were born. Our parents had a lot to do with us being here. And God did too, but God used our parents to make that all happen. But what about your spiritual life? That's a little bit harder to think about. Your spiritual life, that that consists of your faith in God and your love toward your neighbor. But you don't get your spiritual life from your parents. You only get that from God. See, there's this, this thing happening. Jesus says it's like this. It's like you're born, but in order to be a part of God's kingdom, you need to be born again. That you have this bodily life that you received from your parents, but your parents can't give you that spiritual life that you need. You can only get that from God. So if that's true, if it's true that we have two lives, a bodily life and a spiritual life, and for our bodily life to work, we need bread, we need food, we need food to sustain our bodies, Logically, doesn't it follow that we also must feed our spirits? That we need food for our spirits in order to be alive spiritually, to be growing as well. That's what Jesus is going to be talking about today, as he is talking to this crowd of people that that followed him after that marvelous miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And as Jesus is beginning this conversation, he really only wants to make one point. And the point is this, that that we need spiritual food. And that Jesus is the one thing that feeds us spiritually. That's all Jesus is trying to say. But in order to, to get that point across, there are some roadblocks some things that are hindering comprehension that Jesus kind of has to deal with one at a time. First, he's going to need to convince the people that they really have this spiritual need for sustenance. 
And then once he can get them to understand that they have that spiritual need for food, then he needs to teach them, well, how is it that you meet that need? How is it that you get the food for your spirit that you need? So thinking about that spiritual need, uh, we might think about it as, as spiritual starvation. That that's what's really happening, that, that you are starved spiritually, and so you need food. You need, you need to fill your spirit. But it's also confusing, because when we think about food, we don't think about spiritual food. We think about the pizzas, the microwave chicken patties, the steak, the, the things that you talked about. Those are the things that we think and know about, because if you skip a meal or two, your body's going to tell you, right? You, your stomach will be growling. They even have a word for this. You get hangry. Hungry and angry kind of go together. It, it changes you. you. You're not a nice person, a pleasant person to be around. That is your body's way of saying, food, now, get it. And you know what? God knows that we need food. And he provides, doesn't he? He provides for us so richly in so many different ways. It may not be that food magically appears before our, uh, our plates and, and we eat it. Well, unless you're a kid, then that's how it works. But all the rest of us know that you don't just get that food. You have to earn it. You have to work for it. You have to go to the grocery store. People have to raise it, make it, process it, deliver it. God uses all of these people to bring us food, but it's all his gift. Jesus even teaches us to pray for it. Give us this day our daily bread. God answers those prayers. He gives us graciously. He gives us in abundance because he knows we need that food in order to survive. But listen, the same is true of spiritual food. God knows we need it, and God provides. So really, the problem isn't God's problem. The problem is us. Because unlike bodily hunger, we don't understand the signs of spiritual starvation. There are signs, but we don't recognize them. We don't understand what it is that they're telling us. Just a few of the signs of spiritual starvation. Just, just think about this. They, they look like this. Anger, hatred, jealousy, pride, lust. The list could go on. A lack of faith in God. A lack of love toward your neighbor. And, and you might say, well, yeah, Pastor, I, I see all of those signs all around me every single day. They're all I hear about in, in the newspapers, in the TV, on the internet. And maybe, maybe that's the problem. Maybe the problem is that We've all become so used to seeing the signs of spiritual starvation around us that we just say, that's normal life. That's just what life in this world is like. But Jesus is trying to tell us that's not what it's like. That's not what it should be like. Because the symptoms are so prevalent, so common, so universal, we've learned to simply dismiss the symptoms, to ignore the fact that they are pointing to a problem. 
We've just written it off as normal. But not Jesus. Jesus says there is a real problem, and Jesus offers a real remedy. Jesus says it's not good for you to live on bread alone. That's not how you live. That's not how you were meant to live. You were meant to live by the very words of God. Jesus is telling us that we need food. Not just food for our bodies, but a different kind of food. A food for our spirits. A food that endures. A food that causes us to endure. And the people that were talking to Jesus, they they seemed to get it. They they seemed to, to get that part of what Jesus was saying. Because as Jesus talks to them about how the Son of Man is giving them this this food that doesn't spoil or perish, but endures to eternal life, they, they have some questions for him. They dig down deep in their pockets and they get out their checkbooks and they say, how much? How, how much does that food cost, Jesus? How much is that food going to cost me? Where do I get that food? Tell me how I get that food. What is it that I need to do? What does God need from me in order that I might have this kind of food that doesn't spoil, that doesn't perish, that lasts into eternity? See, in their minds, it's as if God gives this food only to the people who deserve it only to the people who have truly earned it. And as Jesus hears what they're saying, he has one of those classic Jesus moments. Guys, 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 you don't do anything. Let's talk about what God does. Let's talk about what God's work is. And and what God does is he brings you to faith. God gives you that faith in the one that he has sent to give you life. The one that he has sent to save you. That's what God does to give you this food. Again, as Jesus thinks about this whole food and spirit situation, it does harken back to that need for, for being born again. There needs to be life. A little bit later, Paul would write in Ephesians that that without God and on our own, we are dead, dead in our sins and in our trespasses. Paul's writing this because he wants the Ephesians to know they need life. We all need it. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, we inherit their sinfulness. And that sinfulness is spiritual death. And that's what makes this whole conversation kind of comical. See, dead people can't negotiate. Dead people can't do anything. Dead people, if they're going to do something, they first must be made alive. And yet that's exactly why Jesus had come. He had come so that they might have life. See, God gives us this life as he sends Jesus, his son, into this world. That is how God gives us life. Not just life for today 
or tomorrow or for next year, but everlasting life, eternal life for our bodies and our spirits. Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. So that in Jesus we see what this eternal life looks like. It is, it is eternal life not just for spirits, but for body and spirit, because that is who God has created us to be. And what we can see in Jesus is this life. And if we are to have this same kind of life, we need Jesus. And so, through baptism, through God's word, through the Lord's Supper, that's what we receive. We receive Jesus. We receive life. When you hear that word of forgiveness spoken to you, when you know that Jesus died for you, That is God creating life in you. That is God filling you up, sustaining you, nourishing you. It's as if God zaps your spiritual heart, and what was once dead now comes to life. And when that happens, it's not because you have done anything. It's because God has given you that new life. And just when Jesus seems to be reaching the conclusion, he adds one more part to this. And this is a part of great specificity, but it's, it's important. If you don't get this, you don't get any of it. Jesus is trying to tell them that that, that life, that eternal life is given by God through him. In other words, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have it. And if the people of that day would understand this point, it would completely change everything that they believe about Jesus. And so to bring them to that point, Jesus goes back. He goes back to their shared history, to what they all know and believe, and he tries to get them to understand that in that story, what God was doing is the same kind of thing that is happening in their day except now something even greater is happening. So he told them, you remember your ancestors? They ate that manna in the wilderness? You know that Moses didn't give them that manna. They weren't following the breadcrumbs through the wilderness because Moses was giving them food. They were following the breadcrumbs through the wilderness because God was giving them that food. They weren't following Moses. Moses was following God. They were following God. So Jesus would say, What are you doing here? Why did you come after me? Why are you following me? Who am I? Am I Moses? You ate bread and you were filled. Are you looking for more bread? But you know what? That bread... That bread that Moses didn't give, but God gave? You ate bread, and God gave that bread too. But I have something even better. I give bread 
that, that isn't here today and spoiled tomorrow, that, that fills you today and tomorrow you're left hungry. I have true bread that gives life, that gives eternal life. In fact, I don't just give that bread. I am the true bread of life. Now what Jesus was saying was that one point simple, but on another point exceedingly difficult to wrap your head around. Jesus was saying that he's the one that gives life, that he's the one that gives life to us. And not just life for today, but this eternal life. But what does that all mean? I hate to end on a cliffhanger, but that's where our gospel reading ends. With Jesus' words, where he says, I am that bread of life, that life-giving bread come down from heaven. Come back next week. We'll talk about what all of that means. But for now, just reflect back on what it is that Jesus was saying. He's saying that we have lives. We have this bodily life, but we also have this spiritual life. We feed our bodies. We know how to do that. God gives us food, but our spirits need to eat. Our spirits need that food too. That food doesn't come from anyone. It comes from God alone. In fact, it doesn't simply come from God alone. It comes through Jesus alone. But Jesus gives us that life-giving, eternal life-giving bread. So what is Jesus saying? Stay close to him. You're hungry. You're thirsty. He fills you like nothing else ever could so that you will never hunger. You will never thirst. You will live eternally. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, our Savior, and the true bread of life. Amen.